Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Perceptive Podcast here on Game Wisdom, where we resume the art science of games. I am Josh Place, and we got a great cast for you tonight. We're reaching out to another indie developer, this time from Jamaica, to talk about what it's like to be an indie developer there, as well as discussing his current project. So please welcome from Studio Sprite Wrench, Glenn Henry. Hi, Josh. Thanks for having me. Not a problem, Glenn. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. All right. And for people listening to us right now recorded, I uh, just want to give you the heads up. Due to the, I guess, the distance or due to our connection, Glenn will pr- may be breaking up here and there. Unfortunately, there's not much more we can do about That's just the nature of these long-distance calls. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, to get started with, Glenn, thank you so much for reaching out to me on Twitter. It's always great to hear from new developers. And like I said, it's always interesting to hear what's going on around the world when it comes to indie game design. Most of my audience is usually United States. I even have some people, I believe, like in Europe as well. But it's always great to see like what's going on like all around the world. Ah, okay. Um... Well, from the Jamaican standpoint, really and truthfully, it's it mirrors the states a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we tend to follow the same trends, the same tastes, the same movies. It's, it's actually we're closer to Florida than um, than South America, really and truthfully. Mm-hmm. Right. So, Interesting. so that yep. so everything is um, pretty much the same to a point. There are a couple of challenges unique to being you know a third world country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if you want to go too much into in depth in there. Um, I do want to touch on that. I think we'll uh, make that our next topic. But uh, just for people listening to us right now, could you talk a little bit about your background when it comes to game design? And we'll talk more about your game in a, um, after that or like later on in the cast. All right, no problem, no problem. All right, so, well... I come from a computer science background. Um, that's actually my major in, in university. Um, really, truthfully, it was more of a means to an end. Mm-hmm. I've always had a lifelong interest in games and making games. Um, this was about 2010, so this is like the beginning of the indie game boom. So, you know, Meat Boy was coming out um, in the game, the movie, and it really just opened up possibilities for me as a local developer previously we would have to be looking to you know migrating and you know finding a job through the industry that way um the, uh, that boom that golden age some people are calling it mm-hmm. uh, really that there is a flattening effect with digital distribution and that it is possible to pursue a career as a game developer from jamaica and i've kind of made it ironically my life mission to try and explore the possibilities there and encourage other local developers and try and really grow and create a community mm-hmm. in Jamaica and the wider Car- Caribbean actually. And that is certainly great to hear about that, Glenn. Like I said, I've had a chance to talk to a lot of any developers. I've spoken to some from Brazil, Taiwan, Africa, India, and it's always great to hear uh, developers trying to raise awareness and just grow their local game dev scene. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Now, 
I guess with that said, in terms of like Jamaica itself, have there like for people listening, I'm also curious myself, have there been any like major game studios or any studios that have managed to kind of rise up in the uh, Jamaican area, or is it still like not like fully developed on that front yet? Um, to my knowledge, it's not fully developed. Um, we have a couple people, or at least we have people from the diaspora mm-hmm. who have Jamaican heritage and they do call us out. Um, but nothing really, you know, homegrown has really cropped up yet. So everybody's really, you know, still doing the the indie hustle, you know, <laughs> trying to build out <laughs> build out a uh, project, get eyeballs on it, and get as much, you know, focus and attention that they can. I think one of the main difficulties is that um, we really need like a big win mm-hmm. before they can take. Well, even the local investors can take you seriously and really grow everything. Yeah, I think we see that all around, especially like over the last decades, at least like here in the United States and probably in Europe, we started to see more of that legitimacy when it comes to game design being a, a credible profe- profession for a lot of people. Uh, for fans of the podcast, you remember that I've spoke when I was in college back in like early thousands Game design was still very much looked at as, oh, that's just the second thing that you may want to do. Like, no college really outside, like, the very specific technical schools were going to have a game design course. And then things began to change as the companies and colleges started to see the big money and the just the rise of the game industry. And unfortunately, it, it does take a lot of time, I think, for things to move along that way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not sure if you recall, um, Rami had posted um, uh, a basically a stratification of game dev scenes a couple of years back. Mm-hmm. For Jamaica right now, we're firmly at probably between like tier, I think if you come from zero, zero and one, mm-hmm. there are a bunch of enthusiasts. They're aware of the process and they're aware of... Um, Materials and places that they can go for funding, assets, publication, all of that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that uh, skill of finishing still needs to be polished. And then on top of that, there's a sense of, um, there's a little bit of a professionalism that needs to be ironed in mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always going to be that case, like, not just in Jamaica, but like all around the world of who's going to be like the first legitimate studio that kind of like set the standard for everybody else around it. Exactly. Now, a few minutes ago, Glenn, you mentioned uh, some of the more unique challenges of trying to be a game developer in a third world country. And again, with most of my audience being more in like a first world country, like what are some of those challenges that you have to deal with that are kind of unique to your area? Um. Well, I'd like to, think, but I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody else has this problem, but one of the main things is getting paid. Mm. It's very close. To, we have standard internet connection out here. Um, we're able to distribute our content easily. However, our financial systems are not necessarily in place where we can get the money in any real time. Mm. Um, 
PayPal doesn't work with our financial institutions right now, as far as I am aware. So we have to do that um, quarterly shovel if we're going to be using that. This affects our freelancers as well. Um, there are a couple of ways that we've worked around. There's some people who have um, set up, you know, ut- utilizing like Stripe Atlas and things like that. But mm-hmm. those, those is a challenge in itself. So that's one of the very first things that we have to jump over before we, you know, you start considering everything. Um, another thing is that, as I mentioned before, we tend to be very outwardly focused. We're heavily influenced by our neighbors, mm-hmm. namely the United States. So even if it's a case of getting local press and local attention, it doesn't necessarily have the immediate impact that you, that you think it would. I know of a couple smaller indies, you know, they're able to leverage their local press, the newspapers, you know, their outlets, places like that to try and get eyeballs on their, on their project. That necessarily translate out here because Jamaicans, we're very good at retail. We have that down pat. That entire process is understood, but we're still coming to grasps with the whole digital idea. Mm. And then when we're in that space, we're always competing against the bigger budgets. So if you look into ad spend and those type of stuff, sure, it's cheaper, but you're going to be, you know, you're going to be lining up yourself against like Yay and the other big names because we have the same tastes, just mm-hmm. not the same. Mm, I'm not even sure what they call it. Same taste, same palette, but different focus. We don't focus locally as much. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that I hear from a lot of developers in like various countries around the world is about trying to create games that either tell a story about like the local heritage or try to like bring awareness to kind of the cultural differences. Have there been any like games or any development on that front in like with Jamaican developers? Um, I haven't seen some projects. I try to put them in, but I try not to not to make it you know to be the core element. Mm-hmm. Same reason because of um, as I mentioned a while ago, the focus is outward. Mm-hmm. Um, tend to see that in other creative media. Because as you know, Jama- well, I'm not sure if you're aware, but Jamaica has a very strong um, creative element. Uh, so traditional artists, traditional medium, we're very much there. Music, we're loud and very proud about that. Mm-hmm. But again, translating that into games, not 100%. Well, I haven't met anybody who's been able to really work it in successfully so we use it as inspiration or at least speaking again from my experience i use it as inspiration spread it in because this is where i'm from i'm very proud of that but don't try to make it be the core central element of um any particular project at least not yet okay mm-hmm. now um when it comes to some of the developers in jamaica and some of the games or what you've been working on i guess what kind of genres uh, do you typically see like come from your local scene? From my local scene, I've seen platformers mostly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, we grew up with books probably delayed a little bit. So Mario and things like that. So people are developing different types of puzzle platformers. I know of one person who's not Jamaican. He's actually, I believe he's from Dominican Republic. He's currently working on a 
platform similar to Sonic or something to that effect. Um, we also had some winners of a Imagine Cup, Microsoft Imagine Cup, a little while back. Again, formers. So it's really what's popular at the time, what trends are there in the more wider public view that people tend to pick up and gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. Personally, I tend to look towards some more um, niche areas because I, I also have... In addition to computer science background, in order to try and make everything work, I dipped my toe into business. So I identified, you know, I'm trying to find little niches that are interesting to me. I'm trying to see if there are ways for me to, you know, strategically uh, target them and see if I can find a break there. Mm-hmm. I guess in terms of like development, like either like from what you do or like from what we see from other local developers. Have there been a lot of push towards mobile game development, or uh, do you typically focus more on like PC, Mac, that kind of thing? Um, is that a push towards mobile? Mm-hmm. There is a lot, a lot of mobile, uh, mobile games, or at least initial projects. Part of the reason I think is because we have a lot of mobile phones. I think the last check that I did, we had like over 100 um, uh, percent penetration on handsets. So everybody at least has one phone. Mm-hmm. So I think that is another thing. It's we're trying to become like the for the more casual market. It's like their primary gaming device. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's something that we see from a lot of casual consumers, pretty much all around the world at this point. At least uh, from like a lot of the major countries. I know Japan is very heavily into mobile games, and probably a lot of U.S. Uh, fans have also gone that route. Mm-hmm. And the funny part about all of this is that I think not until mm, about two years ago now, we weren't um, eligible under the Google Marketplace. So we couldn't even charge for any of the games that we put up. Mm-hmm. We'd have to get invented. I think use, utilizing um, ads or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Right back to the first, first issue, financial problems. Yeah. I guess, as a question for you, Glenn, I'm not sure if this is something that you, you would know personally or if you have any experience with, but have there been like at any like actual like game dev courses or game dev schools pop up in Jamaica yet? Um, there was a brief course. Um, some fellows from um, the States actually came out and did a course out of Carrimac, which is our, our, one of our premier media and... Um, media and advertising faculties at our, at our university, University of the West Indies. Uh, they go really and truthfully as an intro course to, to um, teens. Mm-hmm. So, so it was kind of, trying to remember the toolkit that they used. I believe it, it might have been Alice, but I could be wrong. But it was very visual, just to get people used to the idea uh, I know that there were some talks about setting up some U- Unity courses, uh, but I have yet to really run into any structured program being offered out of any of the universities. A lot of, this, lot of the skills that uh, the local devs have are self-taught. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching Unity videos, experimenting by themselves, stuff to that extent, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's definitely horror, I think, to get like legitimate game dev courses like 
again, like when I was in college, like there really wasn't anything out, at least in the United States, unless you went to a specific school for it. And I'm hoping that you, I'm hoping that Jamaica gets more of those courses that come in just so you can start getting like more like a professional area about game development. Because I think, and this is probably a topic way too big for our discussion, that there's definitely a lot of nuance when it comes to game development, at least from like the management or the production side, that you really don't, I don't think you really can like learn on your own in a sense, other than kind of like stumbling through it. And it's something that I've seen a lot of developers tend to mess up on when it comes to, you know, managing a project, understanding social media, or just being able to, to go through the entire process of making a video game. Yeah, I think this is one of the main things that that we would need. Education is very important. Because um, one of the things that I also see a lot is there's definitely the enthusiasm there. Like every other student from <laughs> from computer science department or whichever university you go to out here, mm-hmm. they're gonna be let's make a let's make a game mm-hmm. and start. They grab a couple of assets from certain places, or they have a friend who can draw. And they start working on it, but then they stop like three quarters of the way through because they didn't realize how hard it would be or they finish it. And then they're like, okay, how do we you know, market it? And they think that, you know, we just put it up on mm-hmm. a website, press submit, and you're going to be rolling in money or something to that effect. And then they just get disheartened and put down, put down game dev forever, which is really sad. Yeah. And it is like a very tough part because it. I've, I've spoken to other developers about this that there's always like two sides when it comes to being not even just successful, just but just being a game developer in general. And like you can you know watch Unity tutorials, you can read up on it, you can try making a video game in Game Maker all you like, but taking that step towards actually having like either like a small or medium-sized studio and running that, that takes a lot more than I think a lot of people realize. Definitely, definitely. Uh, Another thing out here is that we really, really value the image of entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. We have a couple of programs now that are geared towards developing that because the government has actually identified that for us to grow, as in for our financial sector to grow, we need to have more Local businesses need to have more ideas. We can't be importing everything. We can't be, mm-hmm. you know, relying on outward. We need to develop ourselves. Mm-hmm. But creation comes this misunderstanding of the trials associated with it. So it's just like you said, people aren't, um, you know, aware of the difficulties in running a business not just a game business, but just a business in general. And there's not enough information. There's not enough people um, talking about the experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's always harder. Like, this is a problem, I think, all around when it comes to the game industry of not really educating people about the work that goes into it. And again, these are topics we could spend an hour and a half to two hours on like they're nothing. But uh, just for clarification for this cast, like, 
as we've talked about before, there are many websites and YouTubers and game journalists who only focus on the hit makers, your Stardew Valleys, your Minecrafts, etc., etc. But there's so many games being released that it's very hard to learn what not to do rather than it is to learn, you know, oh, you know, someone just spent four and a half years making a game. They are now, you know, big and popular. But what exactly did they do to get to that point? Exactly. Survivorship bass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as a quick time check, I know you have to get going in about 15 minutes. Um, is that still like your cutoff point, Glenn? Unfortunately, yeah, that's still my cutoff point. Okay. In that case, again, uh, we can always have you back on for another cast, you know, down the line. Again, for people listening to us right now, uh, this is basically a United States to uh, Jamaica call. So the time zone difference is definitely getting in the way here. But uh, before we wrap up in like the next 10 or so minutes, I do want to at least touch on what you're currently working on and uh, for people listening to us as well. So, um, if you wouldn't mind, what is your current uh, game design project? Okay, my current project is called Grand Sonic, and it is a visual novel that looks at people, the problems they have, and how they handle them. Um, the motivation behind it, really and truthfully, is just dealing with, you know, adult life and, you know, the humdrum mm-hmm. day-to-day issues that crop up. Um, it it, it kind of tries to I inject um, fantasy elements to kind of repaint some of the problems. Like magic is used as a stand-in for technology mm-hmm. um, and such, but it really tries to. Uh, it's a personal project, and it re- it's a vehicle for catharsis for me. Mm-hmm. So I've had a bad day at the office. I try to see if I can repurpose that into some form of story and invent two characters who play out the interaction as I envisioned it, as I remember it as I want it to go. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yeah. And being able to like take your own personal experiences and turn into a video game has certainly been a canvas, I think. I think that's a universal canvas all around the world for mm-hmm. doing something creative. Definitely. definitely. And uh, for people listening who may not have heard you like just because of the connection, uh, the name of your game was Grim and Tonic. For the people listening to us record right now. Yep. And I guess, how far along is it at this point? Um, well, I just released it into early access. Um, the idea is to have six episodes. So right now there's episode one. Um, it's about 10 to 15 minutes long. Each episode is probably about the same length or will be about the same length. Uh, they should have about 25 characters in all right now. It, like I said, it's... It's it's a it's a, it's a vehicle for catharsis. It's an experiment. Um, one of the things that I'm trying to do as a local developer is really and for the build up experience. So I've released a couple games so far. Um, you know, ap- applying the stuff that it's tell you to do online on Reddit, on YouTube, reaching out to YouTubers, uh, reaching out to other influencers. You know, just building those connections mm-hmm. and. What I hope to do is basically become uh, one of that one of those persons in the community that can, you know, teach the people after me, mm-hmm. like what to do, what to do, what works for our unique situation, what doesn't, 
Um, so all of this is really just experimenting. It's actually, I would term myself as a very driven hobbyist at this point in time. Mm-hmm. So it's a side project command, side source of some income. But the idea is to shift this into more a primary source. Yeah. And that is certainly the goal I've heard from many first-time developers. And it is tough, I think, no matter where you are in the world. And it, it sounds like, as you said earlier, Glenn, with some of the challenges in Jamaica with third world countries, that it's even harder where you're at to try to get to that level of game dev. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I looked it up. Uh, I looked up uh, Grim and Tonic on Steam now, and for uh, people listening to us recorded, it is currently available. I'll include a link to that in the description below. I guess, uh, now, uh, from the, our time of this recording, it's been on Early Access, it's been released on Steam for about six days. And mm-hmm. I guess, what has been, like, the reception, or uh, how has things gone so far, at least, for the game? Um, well, I want the reception hasn't been too bad. Those who have sat down and played the game seem to enjoy it. I had one streamer who went on <laughs> at length about playing Grim and Tonic while drinking <laughs> gin and tonics. <laughs> and he enjoyed it despite some of the early bugs that were in the build. Uh, I, I think I kept all of them so far. However, getting more eyeballs on it, of course, is an issue. I've tried the Facebook ad game. I've tried, you know, Reddit and other niche forums, mm-hmm. of course. Like, visual novels is a pretty clearly defined uh, sector. So I'm trying to reach out to them as well as some, you know, reviewers. Mm-hmm. I've gotten some feedback, some responses, but not as much as I'd like. Yeah. It's an ongoing project, especially since it's early access. The idea is to continue adding content and telling people about the game, and, you know, hopefully it'll take off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know it is very hard. I think it, it's getting harder and harder by the day to, as a new developer, to kind of grow, especially trying to reach out to YouTubers and influencers along those lines. Definitely. Uh, as much as I've been talking about the difficulties that um, Jamaican or third world developers might face, one key advantage is well, the exchange rate, the arbitrage right there. And that can still be, uh, a, it, what I mean to say is that it's still viable to be an indie developer as a, and not make a hit. Mm-hmm. You don't have to sell as much to recoup the cost of investment because cost of living is mm, about, it's lower. Mm-hmm. It's lower. Yeah. And that's something that I hear from a lot of developers uh, on the international side. Um, I spoke to, what was their name? I think they were called a Spooky Doorway. They were, uh, they made the game the Dark Side Detective. I remember them saying that during development, they would basically just like travel around just to try and keep the uh, living expenses and just the cost of development as low as possible to get this game out. Ah, well, we don't have anything addressed because I haven't had to as yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but really and truthfully, I think if I can hit at a negative, um, as a negative number, my negative number, if I can hit like a thousand units, I'd consider Grim and Tank so far a success. Mm-hmm. For my metrics right now. All right. Anything past would be great, but 
thousand units is where I'm aiming for. Yeah. And I guess again, we are getting close to the hour here in terms of our time. Here's a question for you, Glenn, and something that I, w- I would like to try and ask more international developers about. And it's kind of like your long-term goals. For I, I know I've spoken to people like in a lot of major countries or major companies who like their goal is kind of to you know either expand in their own local area or to move to like a more developed section or more developed area that has game design and kind of set up shop there. I guess for you, like, do you see like yourself staying in Jamaica and trying to make the scene better? Or would you like to like move to another country or a more developed area and kind of focus on game dev there? Um, I really would prefer to stay mm-hmm. home, stay in my country and develop scene here. Mm-hmm. Um, should that not be feasible and I have to relocate, I would still want to ensure that the scene in Jamaica continues to grow. So even if it's like go abroad and I continue traveling back and setting up stuff or mm-hmm. something, in some way ensuring that the, that creative medium here continues to grow. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a very great goal there, Glenn. And um, I know we don't have a super long time for the cast today, but I do want to say that it was certainly great talking with you, and I do r- wish you the best of luck. One of the goals with Game Wisdom has been to sp- uh, spread awareness about what it means to be a game developer, be it one from the United States, from Europe, from Jamaica, just all around the world. And I always love it to hear developers trying to grow their own respective scenes so that we can see, you know, what game design means all around the world. Uh, and I, I, I'm 110% behind that goal. That is clearly admirable, and I think more more people really should step up and do the same. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds to me a similar, a similar um, goal as um, the podcast, um, Game Dev Unchained. Mm-hmm. Like they themselves are trying to expose some of the some of the trials and tribulations that you know, being a game developer in hills. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate your podcast, your site, and everything that you're doing to expose the <laughs> the trials attached to the indie side of it. Mm-hmm. All right. I guess to begin to wrap things up for today, then, besides Grim and Tonic, do you have any other plans for future games? Or do you see yourself uh, just focusing right now on finishing the remaining chapters for it? Um, for Grim and Tonic, I want to focus on that probably for the next for the next year, um, I have a couple other ideas that I need to probably prototype out to see whether or not they have legs. Mm-hmm. Um, but Griffin Tonic is the main focus for now. Okay, great. So I think with that, we'll wrap things up for tonight. Again, Glenn, it has been a pleasure talking with you. I guess as a bit of curiosity, like what time is it where you're at? Like what's your local time? I think that's that was um, our main issue. I think I'm an hour behind you right now. Okay. So I'm just an hour. So it's not horrifically late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's an hour. <laughs> All right. So yep. 
I think with that, we will say goodnight for now. And again, Glenn, if you are free in the future, we can always have you back on, maybe at a time where we can get our schedules better sync, and we can then talk more about kind of the state of indie game development. All right. I would appreciate that. All right. I'd appreciate it. Not a problem. So, uh, with that said, for everybody listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out Grim and Tonic if you're interested in Glenn's title. Like I said a few minutes ago, it will be included down below. And if you like to support Game Wisdom and what I do, there are several options available. We are always looking for new podcast guests for either live or recorded casts. So if you are an established game dev, a first-time game dev, or just someone who really wants to talk game design, please don't hesitate to get in touch. Oop, one second there. Phone started to ring. Uh, uh, let me just rephrase that. Three, two, one. If you're interested in coming on for either a live or recorded cast, we are always looking for new developers, whether you are a first-time developer, an established one, or just really want to talk game design, please don't hesitate to get in touch. Check out our YouTube channel for daily videos and discussions on game design, as well as spotlights on games. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash and your donations can help to keep things growing and allow us to expand our content. And last but not least, you can find me on Twitter at GWBicer. And we have our Discord channel, which you'll find on the Patreon, as well as over here. Uh, I guess before we go, Glenn, is there any social media that you want to plug before we say goodnight? All right. No problem. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Sprinch. That's S-P-R-I-T-E-W-R-E-N-C-H. I'm also on Instagram with that same handle. Okay. And I'll include a link to that as well down below. So, with all that said, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Perceptive Podcast. Be sure to check back next time for another discussion on the art and craft of game design. But until then, have a good night, everybody.